Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. All right. Um, well, um, this series, um, I, I called it Full. And Micah 3.10 is our key verse. And in Micah 3.10, it, it, uh, Micah is given a charge to God's people in a time of transition. They're trying to, uh, you know, rebuild the temple and, and they get things going. And things are just kind of mixed up right now. And he gives this charge to him. He says, in there, he goes, um, bring the full tithe to the storehouse, right? Uh, and test me, says the Lord. And see if I will not pour out blessings uh, and meet all your needs. Um, and so in, in Micah 3.10, uh, that verse is kind of the centerpiece of why I called this series full. I called it full because uh, he says, bring the full tithe, right? He's given them a command. And there is full spiritual blessings, uh, from being obedient to God. Psalm 128, one through two, just tells us David's talking there and he says, when I obey your command, it goes well with me. I prosper, my entire family prospers, right? There is blessing in obedience. Understand this point. When we don't obey God, say yes to what he tells us to, there's no blessing there. He can't, he's like, no, no, I wanna bless you. Come on, come on, trust me. Right? And in Micah 3.10, he says, test me. Right? So there is incredible freedom, spiritual freedom from obeying God. And he says this to bring it to the storehouse, which was in the temple, right? Uh, and he's talking to the, uh, Israel, the Jewish people, uh, to say, come do this together. Here's this centerpiece, this, this treasury, uh, this storehouse where these tithes will be kept to be used for God's work. And so there is this powerful, full force of a family coming together. Much like you heard me pray and I've talked about, it is us, it is us. I mean, in the business world, you call it buying power, right? When you get a lot of people together and they bring their resources, watch out, right? And this is the watch out group on that. So there's incredible, this full power of what God can do in and through North Shore because of us. And he calls us together as family. And there's incredible fullness of blessing emotionally that comes when we are obedient and we tithe. And that's the title. You see in Micah 3.10 what they do, right? He says, test me, trust me, have faith in me right? Have faith in me and see what I will do. I'll open up heaven and I'll pour out. And he says that to where there's no more need. Imagine being that. I'm mean, just for a second, set that. If you had no more need. I didn't say want, right? That's a whole different, those get confused, don't they, in our lives? But need. That you are emotionally content. You are satisfied and we're, we're obedient financially, and it doesn't have our heart, it creates a margin, space in our life, right? And you get an emotional freedom in that. And so what happens is, it's this title full. When you see it, I want you to think of that. It's the holistic fullness of when we're obedient to God. 
And there's this thing called money that grabs our heart pretty quickly. Right? So that's our series. And we've um, decided to go at it a little different. Um, so it is three weeks, messages. And uh, the first week, which was last week, was pre-law, before the law of Moses. Okay? And then this week, I'm going to be talking about uh, giving in, or under the Mosaic law. Okay? And then next week, uh, the message from Pat will be on post-law, after Jesus went to the cross and died for us and satisfied the law. What is giving then? Because if you get into, you know, Bible talks about giving, people want to know pre-law, law, post-law. Well, let's talk about it. And I'm going to give you a little um, spoiler alert here. You ready? Um, God's heart is the same all through it. You will not see a different God. What's important to him, right? And what's important to him is his heart your heart, right? And those coming together. Uh, and the reality of it, and we all know this, that money is this great interrupter of those things in our lives. So uh, we're gonna jump in. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers will get you a Bible. I'm gonna be in a lot of different texts today. And so uh, you turn to Mark chapter 12, okay? Mark chapter 12, get there. Alrighty. Where I'm going to start today, um, you know, we looked at uh, full, and, and this idea uh, of full is that it's the gift uh, to God's family, right? If you're outlining the gift to God's family. And it's important because a lot of times we will talk about um, our giving as a gift to God, right? And, and I got to square up with you here. I mean, Scripture will kind of call it that too. But I think if you look at the heart of it, um, giving is a gift to us, right? Because basically it's something that God wants to free us from and what the world wants to entrap us with, right? So as we look at giving, I want you to think of that this is a gift to you. You know, when a, a pastor comes up, someone teaches on giving, this is not some sort of money ploy. Uh, in fact, it's why many of us won't talk about it, right? Like I told you, I felt awkward here. Um, this pulpit should never be a place of manipulation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, it should be honest, scriptural truth. And, and you going before your God, testing the spirit, testing the word, t testing the teaching, uh, and me giving it honestly um, as I learn and discern and these things, whoever's up here. And so the idea of manipulation, is, uh, and you don't even want any part of that. And I don't want any part of that. So uh, my prayer over us is that we receive that this is a gift to us giving. And we'll just talk about it as a gift. And then you and God will work it out. We'll talk about the text, what it has to say, um, and you and God chat, okay? So now as we go into looking at my section, the Mosaic Law, okay? The Mosaic Law, we will see uh, that the Mo Mosaic Law kind of represents the forming of God's family. The forming of God's family. And a little backdrop of the, the Mosaic Law. So it's going to get a little technical here, so I apologize, um, uh, but kind of hang with me here. Um, the Mosaic law is the law given to Moses for Israel, 
Um, and the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are when the law was given. And I think there's 600 and, someone help me, I think it's 13, 611, can't remember, it's one of those two numbers, different commands given, right? A lot of them, a lot of them, okay? Uh, given in that uh, for this family, uh, Israel, God's chosen people, right, to obey and function. Now, in that, just a little history of man and where this plays in, you know, man was created in the garden. Sin came and interrupted it. Adam and Eve um, were excused from the garden, right? Um, and then um, uh, Man continued to struggle, right? Obeying God and all that. Tower of Babel came up. Noah came. And then after that season, um, someone named Abraham, okay? Abraham was called by God to go into a land that God would show him. And in that Genesis 12, chapter 2, God tells him, um, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to make a great nation, a great family, and Abraham, um, there's actually a song, but he is called Father Abraham in the scripture. He becomes this father of this family, this nation that would become Israel. And in his journey, they end up eventually in Egypt and become slaves in Egypt. And this is where Moses enters into the equation. God calls Moses to come back, right? and lead the people out of slavery into the promised land, which is Canaan, Israel now. And one of their first stops was at Mount Sinai. And God gave the law. And that really formalized this nation, okay? And said, okay, this family, this is how we're going to live. This is what we're going to do as God's people. And then we know... Um, later, the Gentiles, non-Jews, you and I, right, were, as Romans 11 says, engrafted in, right? Uh, Genesis, or uh, Matthew 28, uh, we know they were called to go make disciples of all nations. What that means, uh, other nations than the Jewish nation, Israel. Like, everybody is going to be into this family, okay? And so, um, we come back to Moses and giving the law, uh, it's important to us because we're part of that family now. So we have to understand um, God's heart in this law. It's just not a switch off kind of thing. Okay? So you still with me? All right. So um, what's the purpose of the law? If this is something we're going to look back at, what's the purpose of it? I'm going to share some text with you and, and talk through that. Uh, and I'm going to give you three things, okay? Um, salvation sanctification, and I couldn't come up with this word. I called it a bridge. I apologize. I wrestled. Even this morning, I, I got to say something better than this. We'll go with bridge, and I'll explain why I said bridge, okay? Three purposes of the Mosaic law. First, salvation. Romans 3.20, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. I think it's clear. It says this. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. It reveals what sin is. What is the standard? Okay. Galatians 3.24 says this. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified 
by faith, okay? So what the law does is it brings awareness of sin, right? That we know what sin is because the law is revealed. As God says, okay, this is the standard. Anything apart from this is sin. But what the law does, as this text shows, it reveals our inability to remedy sin in our lives. That law, you can't meet it all. You would kill yourself trying to meet all that. In fact, it says in some text, it says the law actually reveals death because it reminds you, I can't satisfy this. I can't do this. I can't remedy this. I need something. And what do we need? A savior. And so in the Old Testament time, under the law, uh, there's all these sacrifices and ceremony things. And those are all foreshadowing of a savior that would come. And that savior is Jesus, right? But in the Old Testament, the law, they came and they brought their sacrifices, went to the temple and all those things to remind them that there is going to be a savior come someday and you need your sin and a long word called atoned or forgiven, dealt with. Um, and so they did it by sacrifices uh, as a foreshadowing to Jesus. For us, it's through Jesus' work on the cross. So the law, uh, its first purpose of salvation to remind them they needed a savior. They needed to be saved. The second is sanctification, one of those long Christian words. In Leviticus 11:45, the second part says, uh, and God is speaking while giving the law, it says, you are to be holy for I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. And holy, that word, means set apart or sacred, a spiritual pureness. And God is holy, right? God is holy. So what the law does, it reflects the character of God. What is God like? Well, you look at the law. Oh, this is his heart. This is what he's about. This is what's important to him. And then our life calling is to grow and to mature into the likeness of God. Remember, we were created in his image. Imago Dei, right? Likeness of God, we are created. And holiness is that journey toward that. Now, we will never be holy like God, right? So that's not what the text says. But that's our goal. That's our standard. That is what we are maturing and growing in our faith to and toward. For us today, that's Jesus, right? We're called to be like Christ. You know, the God-man, Jesus. So it's about sanctification, the law is. And the third thing, my word, you're gonna probably have a better word, um, is I, 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 a bridge. I call it a bridge. The law's purpose was to bridge. Listen to Exodus 19. And this is God telling Moses what to tell the Israel, Israel people as they were camping at Mount Sinai, ready to receive the law says this, Exodus 19, verses five through six. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So he's telling them, keep my commandments that you will be, if you do this, my treasured people among everyone on earth. And what that is, is um, some of you are parents, right? And you have told your kids something uh, that you knew was for their good if they would obey it, right? 
Um, and when they do it, it feels so good. You're so proud, right? Because they understood the heart and your intent was to protect them and to love them, not to be just these mean two adults in a house, right? And this is what God is doing. He's a proud part. You're going to be my treasure. I'm going to be proud of you when you obey these commandments and people will see that there's goodness in me because of you. And he says this, you'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, you know, very personal to them is that they're going to be an example. That when people want to look like what it looks like to walk with God. And what is God like? He's going to say, they're going to see it in you. They're going to see it in you. True of us. When we walk with Jesus, and I, hopefully I say this too much, uh, in our world today, uh, you will be, for the most part, the first Jesus anyone sees. In a lot of cases, the only Jesus, right? So we have an incredible opportunity and responsibility uh, to reflect Jesus. Um, and so he's saying, you will be a kingdom, uh, a priest, a holy nation. Uh, and in that, you will connect people to God, that whole priesthood, right? Because what the priest did is they would bring people to God, They'd lead in the sacrifices, so people knew that they needed to connect to God. They needed to know who they were, knew who God was, and step toward that. And this is where I came up with the word bridge, right? Is we are the bridge for people, right? The law's purpose is to bridge people, um, and he says this, I give it to all of you, to this nation. It's a family business, right? Um, some of you I know are small business owners, right? Um, one of the great, uh, you know, freedom businesses or works to have out there, except when you're a small business owner, guess what your family is? All of you own it, Right? All of a sudden, you're not keeping track of hours, right? Everybody's in. Everybody unplugs the toilet, not, right? It's a family business, right? Like, this walk with God is intended to be a family business. Our Father God, us as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters coming together. And that's what he said. Uh, we're all going to do it. We're all going to be the bridge together. And I love 1 Peter 2.9, just uh, the reflection in the uh, New Testament in Christ. And we are called to be that same thing. So when we hear about the law, what we shouldn't do is just turn the key off and say, hey, that was in, this is now. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.9 says, and you're going to hear the echoes of what I just shared with you. It says, but you are a chosen race. It's talking to believers, Christians, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. You know, the purposes of the law are still going to be fulfilled in us today. Salvation, sanctification, and being this bridge collectively as a family. So, transition. Uh, why are we talking about that and giving? I want to read Leviticus 27.30, giving the law. Okay, one of the laws says this. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. What he's doing, he's giving a command and saying, um, the tithe is the Lord. The first 10%. Tithe means tenth. 10%. The first 10% of everything belongs to the Lord. 
And he puts it in his law for this reason, that giving reflects the purpose of the law. I said the purpose of the law was salvation. Now, what giving will not do is it will not redeem your heart, okay? It's not a means of grace. But what giving will do, it will reveal your heart. Giving will reveal your heart. Who's your God? How much do you trust him? How much will you obey him? How much voice does the world have in our lives? Right? So salvation, giving, is a reflector of our heart. Sanctification, giving is an incredible opportunity to grow and mature in trust for God. I remember when I came to faith, uh, I, you know, many of you, it was at 23, 24 years old. And just so you know what non-Christians say about us, all you talk about is money. Just so you know, that's why I hate talking about it because I, you know, it's just like, hey, yeah, I kind of hate talking about it. We're doing it right now. Um, and so you avoid it. I did not give a dime to the church for years. Uh, right? And it wasn't until I began to mature and grow and understand. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Before I began to give and tithe uh, to the kingdom, I was trapped and a slave to money. Right? I mean, I got in debt. My credit cards were all, because I was trying to buy this, I don't even know what, happiness maybe. Um, but what happened is just like the title of the series, you know, a full, I became full when I understood it, what it meant to give. Um, and now I do it joyously and excitingly. And the margins that cre created my life um, is amazing in that maturity. So God says, I want to put giving in the law for your sanctification, your spiritual growth, so you will trust me, test me, have faith in me, and watch me be God, right? And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's scary, okay? So if you're hearing this, say, well, that sounds terrifying because um, I love you, with you. So please do not take this as some aggressive sales pitch. We're with you, friends, okay? I was there. The bridge I talked about, uh, why is giving part of the law? It's a bridge, right? It becomes this example of faith living. My prayer is when someone walks in my house and the money talk comes up, they see a peace come over me. I'm not enslaved by it. I don't need it, all right? Um, you know, I've got things and the older I get and the bigger the paycheck goes, a few more things show up. But I, I honestly, I could care less, right? Um, and that peace, people just feel it. Right? As you get a chance to say, well, how come you have peace? How come not, you're not trapped money-wise and just barely getting by all these things? Why? Because when I was dirt poor, I trusted God. Right? And it keeps going. Another thing about his why is family, right? Um, our spiritual journeys are never to be done alone. You have to know you have a family. And I hope in some little way you're getting tired of me always talking about family here, but it's biblical. Too many people say the church, right? And you start feeling like you're part of some sort of cog in an empire. That is never what scripture calls it. It is absolute family. It's gritty, it's messy, it's hard, it's committed deeply, um, sacrificial. But when we do that, what the church really is, family, um, what the world sees and gets from us is... Uh, divine and powerful, life-changing, change the earth, 
I, I don't, I'm not feeling myself on a soapbox. I won't now, okay? So, um, so why the law? Why giving in the law? Right? Because it points to us where is our heart, salvation, our spiritual growth, sanctification, and allows us a bridge for us to connect ourselves and the world to God. So what we're going to do, I had you uh, turn to Matthew, or Mark, excuse me, chapter 12. Mark 12, we're going to look at a, an example of giving in the law. And what you're going to see surface really quick is Jesus' heart. What is God's heart in this? And I titled this section, The Widow's Mites. Uh, you know, we use the ESV here, so it doesn't use the, use the word mites. But if you've been uh, in church along, you're going to understand that story of the widow's mites, right? And it's not the little bugs, it's actually money, okay? Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, two copper coins, uh, ESV, we'll t read about that. But many of you have heard about the widow's mites, and it's, a, it, it's become a, a, a phrase and a saying. We, we talk about money and giving even in the secular world. So Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Very short story, but let's read that together. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and this is Jesus. And let me tell you what the treasury is, okay? Uh, in the temple, when you walk into the temple in Jerusalem in Jesus' time, Herod's temple, um, you walk out, you know, there's some outer courts, but then you walk into the first section is what they call the treasury, Okay? And the treasury is where Jesus did most of his teaching. It's where uh, when Mary and Joseph uh, went to uh, the purification for Jesus, uh, that was there. Uh, it was where Jesus came and overturned tables, you know, all because really all the business, all the life um, kind of happened in the treasury. And then as you progressed up into the temple, you began to engage more of the ceremonial pieces of it. Okay, so in the treasury, um, there's the, the, a lot of the giving took place, okay? So as Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, two mites, which make up a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to this offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Huge. Um, so two points I want to make uh, here is we're going to look at the big deal and we're going to look at the real deal. Okay. We're going to look at the big deal and the real deal. So to understand the big deal first, we have to look at the established law. Uh, we saw in Leviticus 27.30 that uh, giving was part of the law, giving your tithe. Um, there's actually three tithes commanded of the people in Israel, okay? Uh, first was called the Levitical tithe. Uh, and I'll use some more contemporary terms for you. Uh, that's basically the tie to the church. It's for the church workers. It's for um, uh, uh, the, the church to function. And it was them bringing the, uh, their first tent to the church, to the treasury, to the storehouse, Old Testament. Okay? There's a second tithe of 10%, and it's called the annual festival tithe. 
So a Jewish person uh, had a command to go up to the temple, Jerusalem, three different times for different festivals. And they were commanded to put aside 10% so they and their family can go be in the presence of God. Because remember, God's presence was represented in the Holy of Holies there to go be with him. So very contemporary terms, it's like setting money aside so you can go on a spiritual camp with your family, you know, do spiritual a mission trip, things like this, so you and your family can go grow in your spiritual depth. So a, a second 10% was to be given to that, set aside for that. Then um, every third year, another 10%, what they called the poor tithe. And what you would do is you put that aside in your own home, you know, every three years have another 10% sitting there. So anytime um, someone poor needed something, a widow, an orphan, even one of the Levites who, you know, basically one of the church workers came through and didn't have anything, you could give them something. So a missionary come through, right? So what is that total? Um, so we look at this gift we're going to look at in a second. Uh, a Jewish person was expected, commanded to give 23.5% of their income uh, in that fashion. 10% to the church, 10% save aside for spiritual um, uh, growth and stuff. And then every third year, another 10% um, for just being ready for those moments to be able to help the poor, less fortunate, uh, and have compassion. Um, and then there's other elements that they have just sheer out of generosity, right? Um, so the, that was the established law. Now, as Jesus is sitting in the treasury, um, here comes uh, some enormous givers, some enormous givers. And it says that they came and uh, the rich and gave large sums. Who are these rich people? Well, if you read in the context of Mark 12, what he is talking about right now are the scribes. Okay, what the, who the scribes are, they are people that would transcribe the scriptures, right? Very meticulously. Um, they were kind of the authorities of, of the law. So they, they're oftentimes in your text called lawyers, right? It was a very, very um, prestigious position to have. And it came with authority, came with social status, and it came with a lot of money. They are really, really rich. Right? So it's these people that he's talking about as he is sitting in the treasury and here they come and they're in the treasury around the outer edge were 13 boxes um, that you would give in. And so obviously Jesus is close enough to either see or hear. And I'm guessing with the scribes based on what I read in a second that they let everybody know what they gave probably, right? Now, these scribes were posers. Right? They, you're going to see that they are just posers. You guys know what a poser is? Right? Someone who acts like something they're not? Well, I was thinking about this, and I, um, I went through a season, well, probably many seasons of being a poser, but there was one time, I think there's pictures out there, sure, on the internet. Um, I grew up in the 80s, late 80s, and um, uh, big hair, heavy metal, right? You guys know all that? You know, that was there. I had a thumbs up there, right? That was popular, so that, that's my music. Right? All those guys, right? Loved it, loved it. Well, something happened like I've never seen happen before. Uh, a, a genre of music came in and just hit the scene huge. So I go from heavy metal guy to 90s country fan. 
right? Garth Brooks, you guys remember him showing up? And so all of a sudden, long hair turns in and, and ripped up uh, bleached jeans, Levi's, and just leather jackets became roper shirts. I'm not joking, you guys. I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I said, should I tell him this? Because I'm going to look like a heel. So he says, I'll tell him. Okay. Um, I'm not joking. I got snakeskin boots, cowboy boots. I got Wranglers, right? Um, they're called roper shirts. You know, I, I was trying to look like Garth Brooks. I bought a big old fatty silver belt buckle. And then we would go out to what we call honky-tonks and line dance all the time. Um, this is a very extreme difference. Um, I'm kind of a, a bit of a hick. You guys know that. Grew up in the mountains. I wasn't a cowboy. Um, I looked kind of stupid, I think. Right? Just let's just go here. Um, I was such a poser. Such a poser, right? You're going to see these guys, these scribes. Jesus is going to call them out. They're pretense, right? You are fake. You are posers as you come in. You think you're the big deal, but here's what Jesus has to say about them. So in Mark 12, verses 38 through 40, look at this. this you don't want to be these people, right? He says this about him. And in his teaching, and this is Jesus, he said, beware of the scribes who liked to walk around in long robes because they had certain robes that the scribes wore and they wanted to be just beautiful and they had the tassels. I've taught about that here before and they had longer, bigger tassels than everybody else. Um, um, they had long robes and they liked greetings in the marketplace and, and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at, at feasts. Uh, 40, man, here's, who devour widows' houses uh, and for a pretense make long prayers. Um, they will receive the greater condemnation. Now, whew, not fun, right? Uh, these long robes, they wanted to be pious. Look how important and powerful we are. Um, you know, these greetings, we want to be seen, we want to be known. We want to just like, be glad you're, you're hanging with us. The best seats, right? Put us in the front seat, put us in the special seat. Um, long prayers, right? They wanted to sound spiritual. Um, and, and Jesus basically was plugging his nose with disgust. And look at their true heart. It says, they devoured widows' houses. I mean, their true heart, when it came, comes around money, was shown. And I want you to see that word devoured. When you devour something, what do you do? Completely take it and destroy it. Because there's a lot of like, what does this text mean, right? And you just study it, and there's all these kind of uh, more passive ways to, like they were just stinkers or too much tax or taking advantage of them. No, the word is devoured. And that is a good um, translation of the Greek word. They took everything. And widows... Uh, we understand where they stood in society, right? And so Jesus was disgusted. They let him down. They are horrible examples. They had, um, if they had any faith, it was very immature faith. Uh, they were actually driving people away. They weren't bridging anything. Um, and I think we all know these self-focused self -focused Christian. when you find out they proclaim Christ, you're like, uh-oh, right? That's what these people are, these Jewish people are like, that represents what we believe. Embarrassing. They actually drive people away. So these are the, the big deals. But now here ushers in the real deal. The real deal. Now, have you ever had in any setting where you, someone walked in and said, boy, that's the real deal. I'm hoping all of us know somebody that's the real deal. Uh, there's someone in our church, um, a young lady who's a softball player. I coached softball for a lot of years, and I've promised her for years I'd go watch her play softball. Um, and 
Uh, it took me years to fulfill that promise. I did recently, finally. Um, I said, all right, Isa Davis is her name, a junior in high school, Everett High School. Said, um, I, I put it on me. I said, okay, if I don't watch your game this year, I owe you $20. So just so if I keep letting you down, I'm going to throw $20 on the table um, to make myself um, uh, do what I'm trying to promise because I really wanted to watch her play softball. I just schedule's too busy. I couldn't get to her. So finally, I got to go watch her. And I'm there watching her with her family. And she's out there. She starts playing. I'm texting my wife. Uh, Sandy, I said, this is a, well, ice is a real deal. You know, Coach Salada, softball. You know when you see an athlete. I see her walk out to her position. I mean, hasn't even touched a ball or a bat yet. And I can tell that girl's a real deal, right? She walks like an athlete. She carries herself like an athlete, right? Uh, she is an incredible teammate. I can see the respect that the team, and, and they count on her. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the ball came to her a few times. And said, yeah, yeah, this girl is the real deal. I'm happy to say uh, a clutch game for them to uh, be able to keep their season going late in, I think it was the seventh inning, um, they were behind by three runs. She gets up to, to bat, um, and there are two outs, um, and she hits bases loaded, hits a grand slam, right? Place goes nuts, right? Yay, Isa. Um, but she was the real deal. She's the real deal. Um, and Jesus is going to say this, here comes a real deal. Here comes a real deal. And who is it? It's this poor widow. And they know that she's a widow. And to understand uh, what a widow is, I take you back to the Old Testament of Ruth and Naomi in the book of Ruth. Right? Just to survive, right, um, as a widow, uh, it was a horrible, horrible culturally place to be. Um, and because everything was in the patriarch world about the man, right? And so what they would do is leave a little edges of the field so they can go get a little food. Uh, and of course, if you know the story, it's where Ruth met Boaz. But just a hardship. A James 1.27 says, true religion is to visit, look after the orphans and widows in their affliction. I mean, that is what true religion, expression of God is. Uh, because life is so hard for a widow. God says that's one of his things, that he's going to take care of the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows. That's who God is. That's his nature. That's good news for all of us. Well, this widow comes in and she fulfills the heart of the law, the intent of the law. She walks up there and she gives these two mites, these two copper coins. It's the smallest denomination of, of money in, in Rome, right? And so what happens is it's, it's like a penny. That's why ESV says like a penny to give you a picture. It's the smallest you can get. I heard it's like a, uh, an eighth of a penny is what it's worth today's comparison, right? So it's not even the value of a penny. But to give you an idea, it's the lowest, drops two pennies in there. Just, you know. And so in there, um, or excuse me, she dropped two coins, which is a penny. Um, and for her, um, she reveals her heart. She walks in there and she, by that statement, says, here's who my God is. Remember, it doesn't redeem you, but it reveals your heart. And her heart revealed one that had great faith in God. It showed that there's salvation in that place. Sanctification, she revealed the depth of her heart and her faith. Jesus said about it, she gave everything. Everything she had, she gave. 
She made this huge, bold statement as she walked up there is, I am all in for this. Full faith. And dropped in everything. And, and Jesus was to clear all that she had to live on. Right? For her, he was the plan. And there's no other plan. Not, she's not going to have a sideshow. I'm going to make sure everything's okay over here. No. I'm going with him. I'm going to trust what he will do in and through me. She modeled the spiritual maturity, a great contrast of what the scribes in giving their large sums, but you can tell it was just out of their abundance. There was no faith. It was easy for them to give that. It wasn't about the heart for them. You know, for her, she was a bridge, right? Imagine doing something and you being the example. Jesus saying, look at them. Look at them. That's what he did. He said, look at her. Look at her. Wait, wait, stop. Look right there. There she is. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the real deal. This is a bridge. So they're all watching her. We're talking about her today. She was living out this faith, and she became an example uh, for us even today. We talk about it uh, to reveal to us how to walk, how to handle money. How should we interact with God in money? Here's our example. Under the law, for her, she walked in there because widows and orphans were actually um, exonerated from giving. They didn't have to give because they didn't have anything. So when she walked in that treasury amongst her Jewish family, the Jewish people, and dropped in those two copper coins, right? Uh, she's saying, I'm with you. All my part may not be as big as their part, but I'm in because this is my family. We're about God and his work. I'm all in. I'm here. I'm with this family. And they knew, I mean, Jesus recognized he was pointing her out. So if they didn't know who she was before, they knew now. And I believe this, you know, and I looked at, and that was the, the revealing, if you're looking for the words of the widow, and point two under there is the receiving. And I just want to quickly go through this, uh, the receiving here. Um, I don't know what happened to the widow after this, right? Other than trusting what Scripture says. So I believe what God says. And so here's what I believe happened to her and something that we have to know as we try to paint the story of her. But we can't. Story ends with her. We don't know. But here's what God's promises are. That I believe that she received her full faith reward for trusting God. Ephesians 1 chapter 3 says this, is if we have faith in Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing from heaven. I believe spiritually this person is filled based on the promise of God. Right? This is what I also believe about this widow, that she has the full provision of God. Look at Matthew 6 verses, verse 33. I believe God took care of her. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the context here in Matthew 6 is people worried about things of this world and how they're going to do this. And he says, no, no, here it is. Seek God, and I will give you all that you need. I believe God gave her all that she would need. Full freedom for her from her money. Again, in Matthew 6, verse 24, listen to this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That tension I talked about, it's always about the hearts. Why Jesus talks about it. And this person, didn't she walk in freedom? Do you think money, she was a slave to money? 
No, no, they, what she was a slave to is, and this is a beautiful slavery to righteousness, of being right with God. That's who she was a slave to. And that, I believe, creates emotional freedom. And, and the last verse I want to share with you is 1 Timothy 6.10. It says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or many hurts. Um, but listen how that starts. For the love of money, right? Money has an emotional draw to it if you let it. That's the slavery. You literally fall in love with it. You fully depend on it. You will fully give your life to it if you continue to surrender to it and chase it. And God loves us so much that he put it in his law says, don't do that. Keep your heart away from the love of money because it has an appetite that will not be satisfied. It'll take you in, chew you up, and spit you out. And the cost a lot of times is our faith walk and the peace that God has for us. And I believe this widow walked in that way because these are the promises of God. But she's an incredible example to us. So giving is not about a dollar amount per se, but it's about a heart amount, about a faith amount. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here, and, and we're about to sing a song that they're going to share with us a bit. It's a song that you may recognize some of you called I Surrender All. And I just want to look at this widow and what we can learn from her. You know, this penny uh, that she put in, all that she had, is a small fee for the freedom that she entered. That penny is a small fee for the family that she partnered with in God's work. She got to say, I'm part of this. This is my family and God's work in and through us. That penny is a small fee for the faith she expressed. That penny is a small fee for the miracle of provision that I believe she received by God's promises. And when she walked away because she dropped financially all she had to live on, I would love someday to know the story of how he met that need, but I've trusted that he did. That penny was a small fee for the legacy he left. Um, most ever, inside and out, the church knows about the widow's mites, don't we? Uh, and here we sit talking about her. Only two places in scripture it pops out, three or four verses, and here we talk. And it's a great spiritual lesson for us, an example. <laughs> she got that putting one penny in. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so I want to ask you, what is your penny that is blocking you from trusting God with all your heart? Growing and maturing so that you're not a slave to money. It doesn't master you. And be a part of God's work in his family. For you sitting before me, listening right now, right here, right? We're family. God wants to do a powerful work through North Shore. And he wants to use you. He wants to use my penny. He wants to use your penny. All right? And we bring all those pennies as God apportions to us. Guess what? It'd be mind-boggling what God can do here. And this is always about God, not about money, not about empires. It's about kingdom, about gospel, right? And it starts, the song is beautiful. It starts with surrender, right? And I'll tell you, I had to walk that road and it's really hard. So I'm gonna invite you to stand and let's just uh, sing about our call, surrendering all for the, for the gospel.